Hello and welcome to DIY Data 5. I'm your host, Michael Yurig, and today is February 9th, 2022, and this is episode 35, Practice Doesn't Make Perfect. In today's episode, I want to talk about what seems to be a question that is most asked of parents, but is almost always answered in an off-the-cuff manner. So today I'm going to talk about the question, how can I be a better parent? Today is only going to be a data five type of podcast. Um, if you've noticed, I tend to take um, one side of the podcast and concentrate on that. Uh, it just kind of helps me uh, concentrate on the podcast side, um, so you you know actually get some quality content. And today is going to be a data five type. So uh, the how I can be a better parent, um, you know, don't take this as me saying you know I'm a great parent kind of thing. Um, you know, five kids does not make me uh, perfect in any means. I'm always learning. There's always something new that comes up that I have absolutely no clue how to deal with. And I have to go figure it out. And my wife and I have to uh, take it one day at a time like everybody else. Um, but I do feel like um, this is a question that is asked. And I want to take some time to address it in a better than off the cuff manner. You know, because whenever we get asked a question, um, our best answer is never what we can give at the moment. So today I want to take this time to uh, answer how um, people can be a better parent than just giving an answer in the moment. So I've taken some time, I've done some reflection, and, um, and this is my best answer that I could possibly give. Um, and it's recorded, so if you want to throw it back in my face, feel free. Um, so first, a little background. You know, we all have visions growing up, or at least anybody who thinks back to their past of what parenting is going to be like. You know, this is fed, you know, just from what our childhood is like, you know, what our parents were like. Um, media kind of feeds into this idea of what parenting is going to be like. Uh, we have our own personal examples. We have our grandparents, our parents, our friends' parents, um, and we have kind of what faith um, we may or may not have has kind of showed us what parenting should look like, whether, you know, our friends, you know, parents' faith or, or, or whatever. You know, there's a lot of examples out there that feed into this idea of what a parent should or should not look like, how they should behave, you know, what it should look like to the kid, how the kid should perceive it, and all that other kinds of things. And um, whether you've become a parent or are a parent or are going to become a parent, um, you know, there's a lot of those things that feed into what it is going to be like or how you are experiencing parenthood. And all of that changes um, with your experiences, with um, more interaction, with all of those things that feed into this vision of parenthood too. So even if you are a parent, you know, your experiences with your parents or your experiences um, with your children or, or media at the time or even your faith or, or anything like that will even change what you expect of parenthood as well. And then um, once you've built up these visions, um, it is hard to break your bias um, of what it should be like um, because you've now developed it. It's what you think it should be. Um, and it's also hard to break um, the cultural norm that you grow up in or your expectations that you grow up in and surrounded by. You know, so whatever we think of parenting in the United States or, or even in our own state um, or our racial cultural or our religious cultural 
um, expectations and anything that you are surrounded by that you grow up in, in general, is going to be hard to break out of. Um, you know, so whether it's a good or a bad um, expectation, good or bad norm, good or bad bias, it's going to be hard to break out of that mindset of this is parenting. And again, I'm not knocking anyone, you know, you know, millions and hundreds of billions of kids um, have been raised over the centuries from all around the world and they've all been successful, you know, so there's no, again, right or wrong way. It's just, you know, this is how it is. And so, you know, I want to go on the record as saying that I'm not talking about one type of parenting as being perfect. There is no perfect parenting, actually. Um, and if you notice the title, I said, practice doesn't make perfect. That's actually the point. Um, you can't get it right. Um, there's things that you can do to, do to be better, to have it be less stressful. Um, and that's kind of how we're going to talk about it today. So the next thing I want to talk about is the fact that seeking improvement is a step that requires two things. Um, seeking to be a better parent or wanting to be a better parent um, first requires self-realization that we are not perfect. Um, we are, as the saying goes, we are only human. Um, we are a decaying body. We are reactionary. We are um, ever-evolving. However you want to put it, we are not perfect. You know, there was no manual to say, if you follow these steps, you'll be a perfect parent. Um, it's just not possible. You can never be a perfect parent because not everybody has the same child. Not everybody is the same person. Nobody is going to have the same circumstances that the, is thrown their way that we're going to know exactly how to respond to in every single situation. Um, so nobody, and, and nobody can tell the future. Not that I know of, at least. Um, if so, I'd hope they'd walk through the door right now and tell me that I'm wrong and they knew I was going to say that and we can end this podcast right now. And nope, they didn't do it. So um, I'm going to continue. So just the fact that you realize um, that you could possibly be doing something better, um, not perfect, but better, is the first step. So yay, if you're thinking that, uh, you're on the right track. Second, and this is actually more important, is you need to form a very strong ability, and this is hard, to take criticism in an area of your life that is pretty much the most personal and near almost as personal as your marriage. Um, it's very hard for people to receive criticism on their parenting, their techniques, their beliefs, and, and all of that other stuff, because um, we don't want to hear it. You know, we don't want to hear what we're possibly doing incorrectly, um, or what we could do better, or how we could do something different, or or whatever. And yes, it, it could be the way people approach it and stuff like that. But we also have to remember, at, at a certain point, we were asking for that critique. We're asking for somebody to speak into uh, this area of our life. Now, granted, sometimes the way we're seeking to be better could be reading a book, going to a course, watching videos, contain, uh, consuming content. That's a little easier to take in, but it's usually a little less effective um, than actually linking arms with other parents and giving them... Um, you know, a chance to actually talk to us face to face to to experience our life with us. That's where there's usually more growth. Um, you know, that's why a lot of, you know, well-growing churches will say life happens in a small group where you actually grow with people because they can interact with you. 
Um, but that's hard. That's very, very, very hard. Um, but like I said, this is one of the biggest portions of seeking improvement. Um, so I want to actually kind of bring attention back to one of my previous episodes, episode 12. So this is a while back. And if you go listen to it, I'll kind of apologize for the audio back then. I was just starting off. Um, I actually talked about the most common question that we would get as a, a couple with five kids. And they asked, how do you do it? And I actually talked about um, a lot of uh, self-growth back then and, and things that you can do to get better. Um, and that's where I really emphasize things of the nature of self-improvement. You know, d- you know, reading, taking classes, um, and just doing a lot of things to help yourself be a better person in general, better husband, um, better uh, friend, better parent, and, and the things like that. And the thing definitely applies here. You know, this is going to be a podcast about being a better parent, but if you want to kind of delve in a little bit more on the, the overall situation, um, maybe you want to go hit on that podcast and that'll help you um, in some of the situation here as well, you know. You, you want to be able to be good everywhere, um, you know, in your life, um, in your in your scheduling and in your um, ability to, you know, navigate as a couple or, or um, you know, time management and that kind of stuff. And that'll help you in your parenting as well. Um, because if you can't do all that other stuff, it's going to be very hard to parent. Um, if you can't manage... Um, you know, how to be a good husband or a good wife, because um, you're not working on those skills, you're going to have a hard time being a good parent as well. Um, so you may want to go check out that episode as well, um, because I did talk uh, more about that kind of stuff, which will, in turn, help you be a good parent. So right now I'm going to talk about three things that will help you improve your parenting skills. Now, these are going to be broad because, let's be honest, number one, and this is really key, really let it sink in that from the very beginning, so probably even before you have children, that children are unique. Now, I've had these big discussions with people, um, to include my father-in-law, that science loves to, to group everything. Um, they love to, to group, you know, animal, mineral, you know, all of this stuff because they, they feel like they need to classify everything. You know, in the beginning, God brought all the animals so that Adam could give them a name. You know, it, it, from the very beginning, mankind has had to classify, has had to group, has had to condense everything down. And that's because our brains, to be honest, are very limited. Now, we have very huge, capable brains to do a whole lot of awesome things, and humankind is, is going to always do some amazing things. But we also have to remember that everything that's out there is super unique. Um, you know, yes, there's all types of animals that are all very similar, and we put them into a species. But if you look at every one of those individual animals, there's something unique between all of them. If we look at every one of our children, they are unique. So to say that I should be able to apply this, this, or this 
to all of your children, or we should be able to apply this to all of our children, we're kidding ourselves, okay? Um, now, yes, over, over time, there are trends. Over time, there are certain behaviors. Over time, there are patterns that are, are recognizable, and, and, and we like to feel comfort in that. But there's getting to a point where people get overconfident in that and get over relaxed because of it as well. And it's leading to a parenting crisis. People think that because science says this or science did this or the world is, is falling apart and parent, parents don't know what to do because of the science is telling them something, there's a problem. Well, no, the problem is, is we're relying too heavily on the science to tell us what is right and what is wrong. We're forgetting that every single child is different. We can understand a lot based off of the science, but we also have to understand we have to look at every single case separately. We have to understand that our child is going to be 100% unique all the time. We can't let a doctor tell us, oh, well, the average is this and this and this and this, and we'll have to say, stop. Look at my child separately. Don't go based off of averages. I know you want to make this quick. Look at them separate. Okay? That's their job is to get an answer. Your job is to treat your child separately. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, you can't let the doctor say it's a duck right off the bat. But after a while, remember, sometimes you got to say, no, stop and listen to me. Or if, you're, if your kid is having a problem and you've tried all the normal solutions, you got to think out of the box and say, what haven't I tried? What is abnormal that I can try that might work for my child? Because again, every child is unique. And you may have to go to 100 people to find that unique solution or take five solutions, chop them apart, and make your own. And that is what it means to really think of a child as unique. I mean, we have five. We have ways that we like doing things. But let me tell you, as, as all of our kids are starting to get older, you know, our twins just turned four, it is very obvious that they are all very different. Um, and it's, it's hilarious, but let me tell you, it is frighteningly obvious that we cannot do the same thing with all of them. Number three, and this is something I'm going to clarify, so don't get, you know, uppity until you hear it. We should concentrate on setting boundaries and not expectations. Um, and again, let me clarify. So boundaries is like, if you think of goalposts okay so football soccer if you think of soccer as your football that's fine whatever you have your left and your right and you say this is success this is what's right these are the rules or whatever and you gotta stay in between here if you want it to be right okay and if you're gonna gonna do things you gotta hit the ball in in between here and, and that could be for not getting in trouble. That could be for, you know, winning. That could be for whatever it is. And, and that's how you teach it. A lot of times um, what we do is 
we set up these expectations in our heads of what we want our kids to be. Um, we want them to be successful. We want them to be, um, I don't know, we want them to be better than us. We want them to be this, that, or the other thing, but we're not setting uh, actual rules about how they should live. Like we don't, values basically. We don't say you shouldn't cheat, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't do this or that. Um, we're just saying, don't do what I did. Um, and then we say, we're not going to teach you how not to do that. Um, we say, you know, I want you to become a doctor or I want you to do this sport or I want you to do that and this and that. Um, and we're not teaching them the reasons behind all of this stuff. Um, and that can be very confusing to a child, uh, you know, from a, a young age, you know, we're, we're trying to get them to do stuff. Um, and if they're not performing to a standard, um, they're reprimanded or they're not um, shown the reason why they're um, not performing to whatever the standard is they're being held to. And again, this can, this can be demoralizing. This can be um, crushing to the spirit of a child. And that's because they're being held to an expectation that they don't understand um, versus you know, teaching a child the value of hard work. And that can be done uh, in numerous ways, you know, and, I, and I've talked about this in other podcasts where, you, you know, you can figure out what a child's passions are or what motivates them um, in life, and you could teach them how hard work will help propel them through that um, area of life. And, and it doesn't require them to be doing something that you think requires um, hard work, um, but it can be helping them pursue their passion instead. You know, the boundary is you must learn how hard work helps, and then you help them figure that out um, instead of pushing them into something and say, you need to work hard here. Um, and if they don't, then they're failing versus teaching them that hard work helps them succeed in areas that they have passion. I hope that's uh, clear enough. Um, if not, uh, I apologize and We'll try something again another day. The next thing is um, always try to improve your ability to empathize and your ability to respond. So a lot of times um, people will see children um, do something and they'll react to a child as if the child is an adult. Um, now, mentally, we all know that's not true, um, but we still respond as if they are. Um, you know, a child will do something, um, they'll break something, and we'll respond to them like they're an adult, like they did it on purpose, like, a, like you should have known better, you shouldn't have been doing that, you shouldn't have been doing this, you should have listened, you should have da 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 They're five, they're seven, they're 10, they're 13, they're 15. They're not an adult yet. Um, I mean, a lot of times, too, even school administrators are acting like we should be treating them like adults, and they're not. Like, even parents are like, why are we giving them the choice to do this? Why are we saying they should be able to do this? Why are we giving them their licenses? You know, half the time, parents don't even want to let their own kids go for their license because they're not mature enough. They're not adult acting enough. Why are we responding to them like they're an adult if they're not an adult? 
Now, it's not that we want to respond to them like they're an adult. It's natural to have something happen. We get irritated. We respond. Our natural response is to respond to them like an adult because most of our lives, up until parenthood, we had to respond to an adult. Even when we were a, a child, we were responding to adults. When we were an adult, we were responding to an adult. So now, when something triggers us, how are we going to respond like we are to an adult? So that's not a problem that we're responding to an adult. We just have to fix it. So one thing we should always be trying to do is improve how we respond to an adult. And how, that's gonna, how we're going to do that is also improve our ability to empathize with our children. You know, feel how they're feeling as if when we're standing there or we see what happens to them, feel like they're feeling when they did what they did. Like they're a little kid that just dropped and broke a plate that they know mommy and daddy aren't going to be happy about that. They know already. So us responding the way we're going to respond isn't going to help their situation. It isn't going to help them not feel any worse, not help them feel like what they need to feel and learn what they need to learn about what just happened. You know, what did just happen? What can they learn from the situation? Can they learn, you know, I shouldn't have been doing this. I could have gone slower. I could have asked for help. You know, us responding to them like they messed up and, and we're treating them like an adult does not help them learn what they could learn from the situation. So really by us empathizing in that situation and helping us to respond differently and slow down and not treat them like an adult, will improve our position to help them learn what they could have done differently to not have that situation help. And in the long run, will help us be a better parent because we will improve our position to be able to teach them better. So all that to say, you can practice this all you want. Like I said, really let it sink in that from the beginning, no child is the same. There can be good patterns that help us kind of decipher some of this stuff. And, you know, science can say they got it all figured out. They never will because wait five minutes, it'll change their minds. But overall, every child is unique. You could have twins. They're going to be completely different. You could have triplets. They're going to be completely different. You could end up having seven kids seven times in a, in a row, and they're all going to be different. But they're all unique. You can get really good as a parent, but you're going to need to make sure you stay on your toes and you're constantly observing your children um, to make sure you're you know, trying to relate to them and understand what each one needs. Second, you're going to want to set boundaries versus hard expectations. You're going to want to make sure they understand these boundaries on what, what is expected of those boundaries. Yes, like hard work is important. You know, certain values are important. And this is what I'm trying to teach you so you're successful as you grow up and, and you can adjust to life as it comes at you versus, you know, you got to be this as a, as a doctor or a lawyer or a this or a that, you know, and they have no idea what matters. You know what I mean? You know, they could become a lawyer, but once they're a lawyer, they have no idea what it means or, or why they're doing it or anything like that. Um, and there's been plenty of those in the world. You know, that's why most people think of lawyers, they think of scumbags. Um, and then also in the end, you know, you want to make sure as a person, as a parent, you're trying to improve your ability to empathize with them, to help um, you envision what they're going through 
So you can see that, which will help you then respond to them better. So you can improve your position when you're trying to teach them how to better their situation um, and whatever goes on that you need to teach them. Because a lot of times when a, a child needs education, um, it's usually because they need corrective action. They need to be moved in the correct path because something isn't happening right. Um, and a lot of times they already feel bad or they feel misguided or they feel lost. Um, and in those situations, just like us, we don't feel good. We don't feel self-confidence. We don't feel um, good about ourselves. And um, getting yelled at or looked down upon is not the person we want helping us out. You know, so if we can help improve our response through empathy, that's going to help out a lot. Well, I pray you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please subscribe and share. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, or you can email me. My podcast can be found on most apps by searching DIY Data 5. I hope you had a great time, and I'll see you in two weeks.